I love it. You guys got your, your books in front of you. <laughs> so we, we can hear all the books, everybody. And uh, all right, welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. Nope, wrong podcast. <laughs> welcome nice. to Healing the City. Uh, I actually know that, no, this is just season one. We don't have episode numbers. No. Nope. So welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Adrian. Adrian, it's do all it. yours. Go wait, for it. but wait, can we turn you down a little yeah, bit? Yeah, we because you're so bassy. Uh, yeah, I am bassy, 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 I'm bassy. All about the bass. <laughs> Are you better? Am yeah. I better? Yeah, that's okay, fine. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually loud. I'm so picky. You're gonna have to pick your mic up. I know you. You want the, there? You go. You right gotta, there. She yeah. wants to pretend like you it's gotta there. talk in there. All right. You can actually have it out like this but okay yeah but it's just mostly you need oh right in line with my nose yes direct in there there we go got it all right well go for it adrian <laughs> why don't you introduce our <laughs> good morning and welcome to healing the city podcast i'm adrian crawford and today i am with amanda and eric we we she's crawford and we don't get our last name no no just <laughs> anyway, this is this is our uh, our therapeutic, and we don't know. We're, we don't know. We're helping it. you and us think through our spiritual and physical and mental health. Yeah, that's a good way to put yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we've done a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've done about five on this subject. Now, yeah, four or five. Yeah, and we're just scratching and the we're surface. Just, well, just very, very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna just jump right in. And actually, I think what we'll jump right in is the size of our cup, because that was the conversation that most people have listened to mm-hmm. when they're coming to this podcast. So maybe we could talk about what you were talking about, Adrian, which is the idea that maybe if you listen to the last podcast, you might think, oh, I need to work on getting a bigger cup. Or if I have a relatively large cup, that this is a good thing. And uh, I can have a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not true. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, a common thought is to go there of like, how do I get a bigger cup? And what's wrong with me that my cup is so small? And uh, I think that fits well within the paradigm of Western culture, first world cultures, that the goal is to do as much as possible, be productive as possible. Um, but there's a whole paradigm shift, I think, that comes with looking into to this field and, and going into the body and understanding how it works and how it integrates with the rest of your experiencing. So I think uh, it, it's it's not just to say, well, that's a right thought or a wrong thought, but more to say it's just in a paradigm that I think doesn't sustain mental health very well right and that paradigm is one that values productivity push 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 go 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 and the um, paradigm i think that i would invite people into is one that values being overdoing right Mm -hmm. being overdoing yeah and so uh, in that kind of a paradigm it doesn't matter how big your cup is because we're just being with whatever is right um and so then you begin to accept maybe the limits that you have or the capacity that you have and that uh, what one person can offer is no better or worse than what anybody else can offer. So it's it's really not about how big is my cup, but uh, am I living within the size of my cup? And yeah, absolutely. How can I grow it and how can I sure. have a little bit more capacity? 
Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that's been really helpful for me on this this idea is that our childhood and our, our life, it shapes that size of our cup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just being able to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. that this is what I have. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm feeling so much stress is that I do actually have a smaller capacity. Right. And it's filling up quick. Mm-hmm. And then it's overflowing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm having all these problems. And so when I talk to people about that, it's so much more relaxing for them to be like oh okay like i can handle okay Uh, that's who i am and i think that's a big deal yeah um i think it it helps a lot my question would be then how what are some ways maybe from a christian perspective or people who follow jesus that we could one be okay with that Mm -hmm. and two begin to kind of stretch that with him like so Mm -hmm. that we're not like oh i'm gonna just do these things and that gives me better capacity Mm -hmm. or helps me empty my cup better yeah but maybe some ideas that way yeah so i think the first thing that pops into mind is uh where in scripture it talks about in my weakness I, i am strong right because it uh is a recognition of the reality that i am not you know, capable of all things. And, um, and that really our strength as Christians comes through resting into Jesus and doing the work together with him. Uh, So I think if you step into that reality versus the idea that uh, the world offers or more secular therapy would offer, um, or even just popular culture, which is, I am everything I can do all things, Um, if I work hard enough, if I get up early enough, you know, whatever it is that I am enough or I can be enough, but Christ invites us into, I am enough through Christ and not through myself. Right. There's a couple, um, scriptures that I've always loved when talking about this. And one was from first Corinthians when, um, He's talking about how God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong and the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that not out of our own strength, we um, understand that it all comes um, from Christ Jesus. And I've really clung to that verse, um, especially since Bentley was born, really understanding like how the world values productivity Mm -hmm. and influence and strength and power but scripture calls us to recognize the opposite and recognize that when we come when we do things out of that strength or out of that weakness um the strength of knowing jesus that it's not based on us that Mm -hmm. that's actually the thing that jesus calls us to Mm -hmm. and then the other thing is from luke chapter 16 which we've been talking about luke but the story of lazarus and how he was a beggar his whole life. Um, and God used his story, you know, to save people. And so it's easy to pull out scriptures and things where we, again, elevate the powerful and the strong. But really, we're called into a f- like our faith, into a following, into picking up our crosses. And so, you know, practically how that comes out is tricky, but it's pretty clear in scripture what we're supposed to value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lays out a very different paradigm, very different um, yeah, system of values. And so then that dictates 
how you live this stuff out and how you live your life. And I think being doing is, I see, I see the being doing narrative show up a lot in scripture. Um, even in the story, right of Mary and Martha, that's right. like mm-hmm. a very clear, um, picture of being versus doing paradigm. But I see it even in like the verses that you just shared and the stories that you just shared that, uh, to rely in strength and in knowledge and in power is a doing narrative where when we rest into our weakness and into following, it's a very being narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I, and I wonder, like, I mean, we could beat this uh, size of your cup analogy. <laughs> you to like death, the right? size of the cup. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we could beat it to death and then it means nothing, but it is important, I think, yeah. in understanding your stress because mm-hmm. i think some of it's some of it is your childhood but some of it's just the way god's designed you absolutely and i think that's really important to understand yes and i think in our world especially in our modern world we're told that performance mm-hmm. is what makes you valuable yes and standing up under a lot of things mm-hmm. and, and doing a lot of things and i like the talent parable that jesus gives um, because one person gets two you know one gets mm-hmm. five one gets ten but he doesn't put value statements on that. Mm-hmm. We put value statements on mm-hmm. our capacities. And mm-hmm, I think yeah. that's that's a big deal. Um, he does put a value statement on, are we going to use what we've been given? So right. that's the doing part. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. being is just accepting, this is who I am. I don't have to be mm-hmm. the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it was interesting while you guys were talking, I'm thinking, okay, but you know what happens in marriage is that one person has a big cup and another person mm-hmm. has a little cup. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you deal with that? Like, what is uh, so we could talk about that a little bit because yeah. I actually think all three of us have that experience mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our marriage mm-hmm. of different size cups. Yeah, let me. I, I think jump into that by by stepping back sure, and revisiting what you just said of uh, how with the talents, like it's it's there's the doing part of it, right? But I, and I think you could you could label it as that. But I I tend to prefer to look at work as an expression of my being. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and so I think as for the three of us around this table, and for very many people, um, even for people that you know work the job that they just have to work to earn a paycheck. To me, that is still an expression of who they are. Yeah, that, no, that they, makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, they value because because I don't want to go too far with it and say like, oh, you have to find your passion and yeah, then you yeah. can no, like no. it's that's kind of worthless. That but that no matter what work it is that you're doing, whether you're parenting or you have a job or you're volunteering or whatever it is, through whatever capacity you're offering, um, I think if you can get to that kind of magic place of offering out of who you are instead of out of efforting, uh, you're going to get a lot further. You're going to experience stress a lot less um, because you're working within your capacity and within your identity. So then when it comes to marriage, where you're taking it and and what do you do? And I think even in friendships or any... Friendship's a good example. Yeah, any relationship... um, where there are just differences in capacity or like I've experienced that certainly in my marriage, but also in parenting Sure, where my middle son is very much like my husband and they very, I don't even know if I would say they have a smaller cup. Maybe they do, but I think just their, their cup looks very different from mine. Hmm. It's a very different shape than mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, theirs is more like a test tube and mine's more like a big wide open goblet. And so it's been a journey for me getting to know who they are and how they operate. Um, and, and like scripture says, like bearing with 
one another. Right. I think that's how this shows up right. in relationships right. is it's instead of I need to, and I spent many years in my marriage trying to drag my husband along and like, come on, like we need to get more done. Don't you understand? I'm trying to earn my worth here and you're holding me back. But when, as we've begun to switch that paradigm, it's been more about me getting to know who he is and him getting to know who I am and us kind of setting each other up for success in that. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hmm. I like that. I, I think one of the things, and I don't want to get away from this, from the cup thing, is part of the issue is how we regulate our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so when our cup is full mm-hmm. and we're getting stressed, then, you know, all these different systems are uh, symptoms like depression and mm-hmm. anxiety and you know any variation yeah. thereof that we experience are are symptoms mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing that a lot of times we don't realize and so we want to say i want to stop being depressed and mm-hmm. i want to stop being anxious right. when the reality is there's something deeper in the core of who you are mm-hmm. and the cup gives a good illustration for it yeah. it's just flowing over because you haven't dealt with that thing in there. Yes. The loneliness, the whatever else is going on, the right. disconnection from things. Yeah. Um, and so it's just full. You haven't been emptying it. And I think that's so maybe we, we could talk a little bit about what are healthy ways to empty our cups mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. people can be like, all right, I understand this, but it sounds really big to me. Yeah. How can I just take a step into emptying my own cup, regardless of what size it is? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think... Um, grabbing onto the idea that emptying your cup is really uh, a process of turning inward and reflecting on yourself and on your life and then nurturing yourself. It's taking care of yourself. So that can look like a million different things. Um, It can be very practical, like I'm going to make sure that I exercise every day or that I go for a walk every day or that I eat nutritious food or you know, have time with friends. It can be a creative. Well, let's pause there. So okay. number one, yeah, part of practically emptying my cup, and I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, you know, you can start at any of the ones we're probably going to talk about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical, your yeah. physical being, mm-hmm. your health mm-hmm. has a great impact on the, your capacity to regulate. Yourself. I think it honestly, I think it has one of the biggest impacts. Like if right. we could look at all the different elements, I, I personally think how you care for your body has. Um, proportionately more impact than almost anything else Um, because so much of our experience in the world and our capacity and how we express ourselves comes out of the nervous system and and out of our physical shell Um, and if you're not caring for it you're going to have a real hard time being able to care for and express your creativity or your intelligence or your spirituality or your socializing or any of those other things because they're all tied to and grounded in your physical self Mm -hmm. and and i would say um again when people hear this Mm -hmm. they're going to be a little overwhelmed so it means Go take a walk. It doesn't mean yeah. It doesn't mean go run a marathon no, right don't away. Do that. Yeah, right? no. It's it's beginning. Yeah. You can do all these things in slow steps. Yes. And some of it is you saying, I am going to take care of myself. Yeah. And I'm going to do this one step. Yes, yes. And I, I, I encourage people to start small. So there was one point where I was working doing wellness consulting in the CrossFit community. And um, one what I found there was just an awful lot of dysregulation. And at that time, I didn't have that word for it. 
But I I recognized the way that people were self-selecting, including myself, self-selecting into this community that really ran off of high stress and like a fight response. Really, that's like the energy that they were coupled to. And so as I begin to push back on that and see that reflection, like, oh, this isn't good. Um, One of the things that I did in the groups that I would run is to tell these super intense weightlifting, running, crazy people, go for a walk. (laughs) Every day, go for a walk. And if that means that you skip your CrossFit workout, do it. Right. Mm. Because the foundational piece is that you have to have like a rest and digest nervous system. Most of the exercise that we participate in in the United States, whether that's, you know, a workout video or a marathon or whatever, bumps you up out of the rest and digest state. We're talking about nervous system states and bumps you into the fight or flight like uh, sympathetic nervous system, high arousal states. Um, and there's certainly a range within that, you know, probably running like training for a marathon is lower level than CrossFit, but you're still up into that activation state. Um, and, and that's the activity that most people get. So they'll go and they'll do all this intense activity and then go sit at a desk all day. Right. Where we need the complementary, we need to be in rest and digest and, just regulating the nervous system. Um, and, and then if you want to go for a little extra, go for it. Right. You know, that's certainly good for you also. Right. Yeah, but start with bottom level, right. easy, doable. Right. Yeah. So a few years ago, I took a mindfulness training that children's clinics offered to parents. And during that training, I wrote in my journal, uh, the book that they gave us, that one of the things that I wanted to change about my life, this was before I was running, mm-hmm. was that I wanted to start getting up and taking a walk mm-hmm. or or running a little bit. Um, but I wasn't doing it because Bentley would come into our bed every night and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to wake. If I got out of bed, mm-hmm. then he would get up. And I didn't want him up at five. I wanted to try and get him to go back to sleep. So for years, I would spend every morning like getting him to go back to sleep so we could have... I just think sleep is really important for kids. Mm-hmm. And so I put a lot of value into helping him go back to sleep. But I realized at some point I was suffering because of it because I couldn't ever get away. And so I that was the day that I said, he's just going to wake up when he get, wakes up. Yeah. But I need this time to go out and take a walk. or mm-hmm. um, And that was the turning point for me in terms of morning, you know, mm-hmm. activity and exercise. Mm-hmm. And recognizing what you needed and being able to pri- prioritize that over what would be perfect for your child. Right. Because that's something that is that is um, very common in our culture right now that is not as common in European cultures um, is that parenting becomes a thing I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do it perfect for my kid and I'm going to get them all the things. And my entire life is going to be wrapped up in making sure that that their life is as perfect as possible. Mm-hmm. At, but at a cost of yeah. my own physical right. and mental health. And, and and just a side thing on parenting. I've, I've done a lot of counseling over mm-hmm. 18 years and not one person has sat down and said, yeah, it's really sad that I didn't get all the things that I wanted as a kid. Mm-hmm. It usually is. My mom wasn't around. My yeah. dad wasn't around. Yeah. No one complains about not having enough. Yeah. That that's that is rarely why people are struggling. Yeah, and I think like there's there's um 
Unless you take it to the extreme end, sure, right? right? And so there's always, there's there's a, a zone, right? you know, a, of like acceptable parenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and of acceptable everything else, acceptable marriage, acceptable work, acceptable whatever it is that you're pursuing and pouring yourself into. Yeah. There isn't like a, a gold standard of right. I rise or fall above this level and I either succeed or fail. Right. It's a spectrum of if you can just kind of get in the middle, good enough. Yeah, I'm a. I said I'm, I'm a, a good enough parent. Right. I'm a good enough counselor. I'm a good enough friend. You know, like. Right. right. And when you get out to the extremes, when you when when right. families have you know a severe neglect, but like let's keep it in perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think when when we begin the good enough zone is the outside parts are when we begin to say what all these things determine my value, mm-hmm. and when I how I parent how I'm a wife or a husband, mm-hmm. how I do my job, that's that's my value. Mm-hmm. Then you get then you're pushing the extremes, the extremes because you have to constantly be doing stuff because yeah. you're not settled. Right. And just to and I think we should shift after this, but just to talk about taking a walk, one of the reasons most people are depressed and anxious is that they aren't outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you push yourself outside, you end up putting yourself at certain kinds of risk. So if you walk through your neighborhood yeah. A dog might bark at you. Okay, that's a minor risk, right? Mm-hmm. But your your system begins to think about all the things around you and you begin to not think about how lonely you feel. Yes. Or the because you're connecting to different yeah. things instead of isolating, just simply yes, by the walk. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's yeah. a big part of how being able to learn to regulate yourself. Yeah, I think the the act of walking itself is one of the best things that you can do to build regulation for that reason exactly. Number one, because it gets you out into nature and we do, there's a regulating effect from looking at plants, looking at the sky. There's also the rhythmic nature of it and rhythm is very regulating. And then again, what you're saying, where we get out of what they call the default mode network of being in interoceptive right. i'm looking inward and thinking sure. about all my problems but if i get out right i have other things to stimulate my nervous system and also my body is in this state of activity so you know it can be a practice because even when you're walking you can go back into that default no, mode yes. network but if you have something to look at and you learn how to practice like mindful walking and going into the sensory experience of right. it it's very regulating. Yeah, I think a big, and, and there's a reason for this. God created these this, yeah. this world, and you're even when you're in a city and you walk it, you're pushed into a little bit of his. Yeah, un- it's better than tainted, the apartment, right? It's better yeah. than the apartment, and the further you push yourself out and mm-hmm. into nature, the, the more you can connect to God's creative power. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Which does regulate sure. you amazingly. It does. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's there's a, a kind of popular, I think phrase that I grew up with that I that came from my grim my great grandmother's side of the family um, who is native and it was what befalls the earth befalls the sons of earth that we are connected and I think you see that more in native cultures than you do in uh, westernized cultures that there is a deep connection to how they live their life, how they set up their um, day-to-day and their their communities is all right. wrapped around systems, right? right? Not around nature, because I, I personally, as a Christian, like I don't go into like worshiping nature, but what right. I see is it's systems, right? right? God is a very ordered 
God, and he's created these systems that modern life has taken us away from. Yes. Yeah. And even maybe saying industrialized life. Yes. Yes. You've been listening to Healing the City Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 